Michigan Soccer Central Podcast, your weekly dip into the world of Great Lakes soccer here. My name is Robert Kerr, your host of the program. Um, exciting times as always in the uh, local soccer world. Um, teams across the state and all the different levels of competition are slowly building and announcing their rosters. Uh, some teams farther down the order are getting their calendars and their schedules all put together. So we're getting little tidbits of information of how the summer of soccer is going to play out. Um, be sure to check out on all the social media platforms at MI Soccer Central. Uh, if you're checking out the feed over there, uh, plenty of indoor action going on. Uh, of course, we're talking about the dip into the Great Lakes soccer world. Uh, a lot of it's happening indoors. Um, the Muskegon Risers in the Arena Soccer League 2. Um, I They've got uh, a homestand coming up this weekend on the heels of what looked like an amazing yet uh, a defeat in Cleveland midweek. Uh, they had a scoreline. Uh, they fell to Cleveland 9-11. to The team in Cleveland uh, undefeated in the uh, MASL 2 or M2 as they call it. And then also on the feed, you'll see the National Futsal Premier League uh, updates. Uh, two Michigan teams involved in that competition. Uh, Grand Rapids Olay doing very well sitting top of the league. And Ann Arbor-based Michigan Futsal Factory uh, in the fourth spot as of uh, today here on the 15th. Uh, like I said, teams across all the different leagues announcing their players. There's been a lot of updates on that. Also, a little note that kind of went by quietly was uh, the big uh, Michigan-based uh, Youth Academy National Soccer Club uh, absorbed the Clawson Strikers program, uh, a change that will be coming up in the 22-23 calendar year. So developments there, uh, it's a lot of uh, big academies are uh, kind of, swallowing up smaller ones we'll see what the pros and cons are that as uh, the the details of the arrangement and uh, just i guess the future of soccer playing and development in the area see what that means for everybody do they have access to more coaches or does it lose a little bit of locality i'm sure uh, how, we'll see what happens over the course of time and like i said uh, teams announcing players and stuff and no more eyes are on any other team than Detroit City FC building their inaugural USL Championship team as well as their inaugural USLW side. And to get another voice and perspective, I've got Jenny Hajnaki, Detroit City FC fan and editor of this very program. Welcome, Jenny. Thank you for having me once again. Uh, second time's the charm as far as uh, you know, knowing you're a welcome guest. On uh, this wonderful show, yeah, yeah, welcome back. You, you're involved in the show heavily, uh, and but we we don't uh, hear from you too too often. So a couple weeks ago, uh, the episode uh, in the Spotify feed for Michigan Soccer Central that came out on the 26th of January, we took a deep deep dive into the first initial wave of Detroit City FC uh, player announcements for this uh, big uh, step up to the USL Championship. 
And at that time, there was, I believe, 11 players, and they've done three or four since then. And um, uh, they've got, uh, what, five defenders, five midfielders, three forwards, and a goalkeeper all lined up. Um, Before we talk too deeply into it, how are you feeling about uh, Detroit City in general right now as a fan, Jenny? I, I have not been this excited for a Detroit City FC season, and I don't think ever, to be perfectly honest, because I've, I've wanted Detroit City in the USL Championship for years. I figured, like, I know that they, they've always had the independent ethos and everything of trying to get Nisa to work. Before that, I, I know they're angry to be in the uh, old NASL. But I always felt like the USL Championship was the place for this club. It was, it's, it's the right level of competition where you're not like the uh, the corporate sellouts of MLS or anything like that. And you're, but you're still in some a national league in kind of clubs that are even that are kind of your, the right size. I would say the Detroit City FC they they were bigger than the MPSL. They were, quite honestly, they were bigger than Nisa. And last year, I mean, I, I, I watched as many games as I possibly could. I only got they had the ability to go to one, but it's just, I, I didn't feel excited because it felt too easy, if that makes enough sense. And now I feel like they're going to have more competitive games with higher quality players on both sides of the pitch, whether it's on City or against City. And the, the games are going to be a lot of fun to go to this year. You're going to be playing a lot of clubs. That have a similar history, that have similar levels of support. It's just, every game is going to feel like more of an event this season. No doubt about that. Uh, there's just going to be a whole nother uh, layer of, uh, I feel like, organization and, um, I guess, corporate power, for the lack of a better word, or at least a level of uh, uh, professionalization that uh, wasn't quite there uh, with NISA, or at least these early years of NISA. So, Exciting times for Detroit City FC fans. And uh, did you get to take in any um, of the women's games last year? And what do you think about uh, uh, the prospect of USLW and then possibly uh, uh, the, the the longer-term future of a women's pro team? I, I didn't get to go to a women's game, but I did watch a, watch a few of the streams on there. And they, they look like a pretty fun team. Uh, and, the, again, the move to the USL is going to be sort of a, a similar as it is on the men's side where you're going to have a stable league. I know this is the first year of the USLW league, but you're going to have that that track record with the USL on the men's side that they can carry over. And, you know, it's like, okay, I'm confident that this Uf- USLW league is going to be a It's going to be a nice stable product that is, is going to be another kind of, again, that right place for Detroit City FC. Not, not too big, not too small, and with a bunch of clubs that are in kind of the same place. Uh, I'm... I sure hope I can make it to some women's games this year, uh, rather than just checking them all out on uh, from afar. But I'm I'm really liking it. It's, it's I don't ask you about too much about the players because <laughs> I don't uh, I don't follow it that deeply. But I'm I'm really hoping uh, hoping I can get to know them a little more and kind of expand my horizons a little better in terms of all of cities out there. Indeed, indeed. Um, since our deep dive at the end of January with Sean Spence, um, they've added from Cal United a defensive midfielder, uh, Michael Bryant, uh, a USL journeyman forward, um, Antoine Hapeno, 
or Habenat, depending on how well he's, 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 so he's, he's French. I'll go. How would you say it? I would say Hapano. I don't. That's not official or anything, but he's French, so that's how I would say it. My limited knowledge of the French language and pronunciation. Uh, another signing we may or may not have talked about, but uh, from OKC Energy and a New Zealand international, Declan Wynn. Um, interesting. He, he, it seemed like a lot of the signings, uh, Detroit city have done are kind of, uh, benefiting from like guys they've picked up from teams that have gone defunct and, uh, that sort of things are, it's kind of been interesting and same with the kind of gathering some of the, the higher caliber Nisa players from the different teams like Bryant from, uh, Cal United. Um, and then, uh, just this morning they, Brought back, uh, they announced the signing of Barnabas or Bosch Tanyi. He was a uh, Mr. Soccer in Michigan in 2020 and played one game for them last year. Um, interesting to bring him back. I the thing the, the thing I remember most about him was uh, during early days of COVID, uh, when he was on the terror on his way to earning Mr. Soccer. I remember it was the first time I saw kids playing soccer outside with masks and they were on every single direction of everyone's faces but there was lots of uh, you know a series of pictures in the newspaper of him doing well for gross yeah i i I really like this latest batch of signings and when the first the the first additions to the roster were like okay we stephen carroll we all knew he was coming back he is uh, basically the, the club's identity guy right now again matt lewis connor rutz Pato, these are all the guys, Nate Steinwasher, these are all the guys that like we knew they were coming back. These are the guys that have been part of the club for a while. And now they're kind of building the experience of guys that have that know the league a little better, like Declan Wynn, who actually he's had a couple of dozen appearances in MLS at one point. So he's he's played all over the, the kind of American period pyramid. Uh, the Hoppedal signing one is also really interesting to me because he he, he comes his last club was Louisville City, uh, and Louisville City, uh, three-time Eastern Conference champions. We're talking, you know, uh, excellent club, one of the one of the jewels of the USL. And so Hapano kind of brings in that experience from not just the USL, but one of the top clubs in USL, and he'll provide an interesting uh, competition for starting up front with Ruts and Pato Vitelafaz. So I'm really looking forward. Like they're gonna have a nice deep rotation in their front uh, their front line, giving them a lot of tactical flexibility if they want to play two striker formations or just one striker formation and be able to rotate any guys in there and have late game subs. It's going to be really fun to watch that for the line. Though. Yeah, that, that, coming from Louisville, um, he definitely has uh, uh, been around successful sides. And, you know, Louisville is one of those teams that's an example of uh, – only in American soccer where they can win, uh, you know, they can win the second division like two or three years in a row. Um, <laughs> but it is interesting, though. I did see a little bit of murmurings on the, the old Twitter. A lot people, people getting a little bit nervous that we're in the late stage uh, training camp going into some preseason. And there's uh, 13, 14 guys uh, officially on board. Uh, do you feel nervous about that, or do you think that that's just kind of part of the process of building a brand new team or a reimagining the team? It's kind of it's kind of part of the process, but at least I, I take confidence in the fact that this ownership group, this front office, has done it before. I mean, they they had the 
basically retool their roster to make the jump from the MPSL to MISA. They're no longer, you know, uh, picking college players. They're play, they're getting actual professional players with many of them with professional experience. You can no longer just say, okay, you know, you're a standard on your college team. Come play with us for the summer. You're you're looking, at, you know, a little more of a long term thing, and that's what's going to help you. They they've built a team from scratch multiple times now at multiple different levels. So I'm gonna I'm gonna look at this and say, yeah, they can. I I I've every bit of confidence they're gonna put together a talented roster and expand it even before uh, their first game coming up on March 12th. Yeah, that's crazy that that's uh that's coming up uh... right around the corner. Feels feels so far away. It's less than a month. Yeah, that's wild. That's wild. <laughs> Of exciting times, really. Uh, I feel like this is like the not the pretty cliche, but this is a quiet before the storm. I think the, that that uh, it'll get ramped up pretty quickly once we get going, and then uh, all the all the summer seasons kick in in uh, May, and you know, next thing we know, it'll be the end of August. But uh, going back to uh, the women's announcements, they've brought on or announced four signings so far. Um, Madison Duncan, uh, the Troy, Michigan native, her second season coming back to Detroit City FC, uh, formerly uh, a, a professional in the, the Czech First Division. Um, then there's Kenna White coming back for a third season. Uh, she's always been electric when I've seen her play. Um, and then uh, Shannon McCarthy, who um, looks like a, a, a super talented player, she she played in the uh, women's champions league. Um, she played for uh, the, the the top team in Kazakhstan. Um, she's from Brighton, and uh, it's pretty wild that uh, a player uh, that of, of that uh, experience is is coming back home to to to, to play elite amateur ball. And then um, just today, Elisa Baron uh, is coming uh, to Detroit City FC after playing uh at Motor City FC previously. So um just four players so far, but their season doesn't start until later on, so that makes sense. But uh they all seem to be uh highly uh talented players. Returners that from a, a stacked team last year and then a new player who appears uh a couple new players who appear to be a uh of a very high tier. Um, so I guess uh, if you're gonna go, we're gonna go hypothetical because um, I'm guessing that you don't have the inside track on signees. What uh, what would you like to see from um, uh, so, some 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 more uh, players in the roster? What would you like to see happen here? What are we talking men's or women's? Either men's. I would like to see them sign uh, a few more uh, players with USL experience. Because it's uh, they do have the the, the aforementioned guys like you know your deck the Declan Win Hoppano, and uh, as well and Brad uh, yeah Brad Dunwell's got some USL experience as well. Uh, I want to see them bring more players in that have been that have seen the league. They don't necessarily need to be standout stars, but just somebody who can give you okay, who will who will know what to expect when you head into say Louisville or Indy where you're playing in that giant football stadium. Or uh, down in Tampa Bay, you know the the, the places where you're, you're where where a guy like Stephen Carroll has is not used to playing in front of giant crowds on the road. It's just it just doesn't didn't happen in Nisa or in the MPSL or anything like that. So I, I want to see a little more USL experience. 
as well as maybe like a, a sign that some uh, some of the, the U23 standouts can come in there and make a uh, make a splash with the team. A, another signing along the lines of uh, Bosch Tani and something like that. So that, that's that's kind of what I want to see. People who know their way around the USL and that can help guide these less experienced players or players coming from the NPSL or the uh, from NISA that can guide them into this next era. Yeah, that's definitely going to be an interesting part of this new era. Talking about the 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 the, the start of the, the the season starts not too long from now, mm-hmm. and it'll be one of the first times that uh, at least since the the the, the creating. Uh, dawn season back in the very very start of NPSL era, um, that they were the new ones in like the for sure underdog. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm, like you I'm said, sure. Lisa, you felt that it was too easy, and yeah, I don't I'm think not, it'll be that way now. But it'll be interesting no. to see how they land. I, I, don't, I don't know if I want to call them underdogs though, because I mean we haven't seen them play. Um, and the USL is not like the, uh, you know, you're expanding into, you know, MLS or to take a less soccer example, not like the Seattle Kraken in the NHL where they're expected to be bad. I think, I think it's a kind of a mixed bag. You never know what you're going to get. And I think Detroit City with the history they've had in assembling talent and joining in the new leagues and doing very well, I, I wouldn't, I don't think they're going to be underdogs. I think they're going to compete in most of their games. and. Quite frankly, I mean, you can call it uh, having high expectations or what have you, but I I expect this team to make the playoffs. But all of a sudden, so no, I don't think they're. I don't know if underdogs is the right word. Interesting, you're backing your team there. You don't think that it'll I, be I a, a rough landing? No, I don't think it'll be a rough landing at all. And it's just because we've had the uh, the experience of doing everything, of building teams like that, and. I'm I'm I'm, re- I'm really excited. I, I I fully expect this team to succeed, and maybe not, I'm not saying they're going to make a deep playoff run or they're playing USL Cup or anything like that. But I I I think they're going to be a postseason team just because they've had that track record of being able to clear the talent, and they have a great coach. I mean, uh, Trevor James, you had him here on the show. Great coach, knows how to develop players, knows how to set up a tactical formation, and I, I fully expect to be able to adapt to this new league very well. Cool, I like it, Jenny. With uh, some gusto there, back in, back in Detroit City FC to do well upon their debut in the USL Championship, and yeah, that's part of the thrill. Uh, what what will it look like? What is the difference in the levels from where they were to where they are about to be? Well, um, we're gonna invite a new friend in, Josh Hakala Key contributor to Michigan Soccer Central and senior editor of the cup.us uh, I'm going to bring him in just a second to uh break down the the, the new US Open Cup and Detroit City FC is going to be uh facing off with a very familiar foe After two long years away the 107th edition of the US Open Cup is fast approaching and uh, there's been some draws and some announcements and a new format announced so to kind of make sense of uh, the rapidly approaching 107th edition of the u.s open cup we've got senior editor of the cup.us and uh, one of the main michigan soccer central contributors josh hackler welcome on the show hey thanks for having me 
So there's two Michigan teams that qualified for this year's Open Cup. There's a new format, and so uh, they will be playing their game in March. Um, how is it that uh, all the the record number of teams that were uh, qualified for this year's tournament? <laughs> we have two very familiar foes in Detroit City FC hosting uh, the Michigan Stars. Yeah, it's 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 great that they've added more teams. One hundred and three teams is the biggest, you know, grouping of teams that we've had since the uh, the modern era began in nineteen ninety five, and uh, it's it's great. But that's mainly because there's just so many professional teams, and the the rules of the tournament are that every professional team has to take part. So it it really. It actually has kind of hurt the amateur side of it a little bit because just in order to make a tournament work with the numbers, you know, you have you have to basically just like throw in all the the professional teams, see how many you got, and then you have to figure out how many amateur teams are left, and then you you know adjust accordingly. So that's uh that's how it all works. But the the, the Michigan Stars in Detroit City, they're they're sort of uh, I would say sort of a victim of you know the the proximity situation with it they, they try to minimize travel with the tournament because it's just uh, it's a huge deal um somebody had asked me on social media the other day like what was the the longest uh, road trip that that a team has taken in you know before they started doing this and i was i was like the one that comes immediately to mind is uh the year that they had the team the pdl team or usl league two as it is now um the team from yakima washington traveled to harrisburg pennsylvania for the opening round and i was just like that's just that's just unfair and horrible so they, they really try to minimize travel and uh, unfortunately you get matchups like this you get two you know local teams that uh, that kind of hate each other and uh, you know people in seattle and portland can tell you how much that's kind of annoying you know like you'd kind of like to see a, a scenario where they could meet in the final but the way that it is it's just not going to happen yeah um, I guess one of the things that's exciting about the Open Cup is that, uh, you know, it's the most, uh, you know, most American teams coming together to play in the one tournament across uh, different kinds of leagues. So it's in for me, I really like seeing uh, teams I don't really know or teams I've only ever really heard of uh, playing a team I do know. But um, <laughs> the two teams that are playing locally are very familiar and they've played each other what uh, seven times in the last few years? Yeah, yeah. They've in in league play. I know that uh, the Michigan Stars took uh, were on hiatus during the 2018 season, but I think since, since they've come back in their like current form, uh, the, the it's been a pretty relatively uh, even series. You know, you got it, I think that's three one and three. Uh, Detroit City leads the series, so uh, they they always play good games, and uh, I, I think that. It'll be a great matchup to, to start off the tournament, but uh, I I, I kind of like that aspect of it, the way that you do kind of, you get to, well, in this case, it's different because they, they were so recently in the same league. So it's, it's not like uh, teams from completely different leagues who never play each other. They very recently played each other. So it, it's a little different, but uh, I, I like the idea that, you know, two teams from the same part of the world can, can play each other when they normally wouldn't during the regular season. Oh yeah, that's. I mean, that's that's really exciting to almost compare across leagues or even just view clubs more as individual, independent entities rather than uh, the leagues in which they play in. Uh, I get a kick out of that, and yes, definitely for 
uh, amateur clubs or lower league clubs uh, travel definitely a factor. And I understand the proximity. What other options could they have been paired of? What's the next closest team? Uh, well, I think they probably could have been uh, matched up with uh, with Cleveland SC. They're they're in this as well. But you know, I think that 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 probably would have been the one that makes most sense. There's a, there was also. Uh, uh, FC Chicago United. They or what was it? I I always get them mixed up because they they have a uh, they were for so long they were like Chicago Fire Reserves and Chicago Fire Premier and then they their relationship with the fire went away. So we uh, I have to remember to call them by their right name that they've had for many years. But yet I still struggle with it. But it's like Chicago FC United. I think is is what it is. So. Um, yeah, Chicago FC United. So they're they're playing against Cleveland SC. So that's a nice like NPSL USL League Two matchup, which I I always think those are intriguing. I actually keep track of those just to see what the, their those all time records are against the two leagues because they you know there's such a rivalry between those two leagues and uh, between the the fans and uh, and I would say the executives too. They you know obviously they're the very similar summer league teams that depend on college players, but. The, the winner of that game is going to go up to forward Madison up in Wisconsin. So, you know, that's just kind of the grouping that they've got, uh, they've got set up for, uh, for round number two. So th- those were possibilities, but it just uh, made more sense to have the two Metro Detroit teams uh, play each other. And so this, this game that's approaching in March is the second round, correct? So March 23rd and or 22nd and 23rd is the first round. And so those are all the open division teams. Uh, the you know they're mostly amateur teams. So you've got uh, eleven open division local teams. So so I guess let's start at the the NPSL and USL League Two are open division national teams. So they are a nation nationwide leagues. And then you have the open division local teams. So you have to qualify through the qualifying tournament. Like you get in, and basically it's anybody who wants to get in just signs up and then the 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 federation basically does kind of a mini open cup really they they group teams uh, regionally and and again try to cut down on travel and uh, and then they play their way in and that's uh, that's how they do it and unfortunately we didn't have any michigan teams sign up for that this year um before like years ago before they started doing this tournament where it was just like sign up if you want to get in like you don't have to qualify you just sign up and you're in and and you earn your way in um it used to be that you would have to register through the USASA region two, and then you'd have to go through state qualifying and then you get into regional qualifying. And then that's how you got into the open cup. And so they, it got too confusing and too many people involved in the organization of it. And so the Federation finally just said, you know what, forget it. We're going to run it. It'll be a lot easier. And I I think it has been. So they just uh, get teams to sign up and they, they play it in. But unfortunately no Michigan team signed up this year. Usually there's, one or two, but uh, but not this year. Do you think that's uh, due in part to it uh, the, the the new format, the new calendar for the Open Cup beginning in March? Um, I think that has mostly only impacted USL League Two and MPSL teams. Uh, Kalamazoo got in; uh, they qualified as based on their regular season record from last year's league season. But uh, but they declined. Uh, they were not the only team that declined. A lot of a lot of the teams just are not year round teams. So they mostly just have college players on their roster. So college players can't actually participate 
in a summer league until May 1st. So the fact that the tournament starts in March now, that basically eliminates all college players. By the time, I mean, uh, an amateur team would have to make it so far, I think into the, like, I I think, what round is it? Uh, They would have to make it into the fourth round, which is where the MLS teams are. Uh, Very rarely does does an amateur team make it that far. Um, in order for that to work but it so it basically has eliminated college players from the equation so that's unfortunate but um it's it's made it really hard for teams but um i know that the teams that are in either like do have year-round teams or there are some you know that, that i've talked to that are basically just rounding up players that play locally and uh that's been that'll make for some interesting rosters too because i i i don't know what you know what it's basically who you know you know you you will you will sign up uh, get your team in and then see what kind of players are available that are in shape and who knows maybe some ringers will be in there as well so it, it should be pretty fun yeah I, I could see i could see some fun potential there so you said that uh, the 22nd weekend of march is that first regional round so um do we know the date of the michigan uh, stars versus dcfc game no, they haven't released the the date. They've just put out the date range. They're they're, they're still working out. I mean, we 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 know that it's at Keyworth, so we know that much. But it is going to be between April fifth and seventh. So that's uh, that's what they're working with, and uh, they'll be announcing the the date and time, you know, later. So that's uh, that's all we know at this point. But at least it, what's nice is that we know who's hosting almost all the games so people can start planning ahead, which, which is not something we always had the luxury of. So uh, <laughs> now we've got, uh, I think all but, I think four, I think all but four games are pretty much have their, uh, their host set and their venue set. So that's, that's a huge plus. Hmm. There, there was definitely, uh, it definitely seems like, uh, so, so with it being all federally led and they've kind of cut out the, the ties with the, the regional leagues and the qualifying. And so in a way the, the open cup is less open in that way, but maybe more straightforward from an organizational standpoint. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I, I would say it, it's, it's much more, it's much more open because it's like you all, I mean, you really, it depend. it doesn't matter who you're affiliated with. So it used to be that you had to be part of a league that was uh, connected to the USASA. And now, you know, you have U.S. club soccer, the USSSA, and uh, those, those organizations have their own leagues. And now it just doesn't matter who, what league, what league you're affiliated with, as long as you're like part of U.S. soccer, which is, you know, just the over, all-encompassing umbrella, then you're in. So they just all they got to do is sign up and uh, and get in. So hopefully more teams would do that. I I, I think that's a, it, it is kind of like a an amateur cup by itself. So it, it's I don't know. It's a fun tournament, and once you get in, then who knows what you might get a pro team right out of the gate. So that's that's what a lot of these uh, sixteen of these uh, these teams, if they win the first round are going to play. I think, I think they're all playing pro teams in the next round. So you already get a, a crack at the pros right up, right away. So um, some, some, some possibilities for fun on the way in the 107th edition of the U S open cup. You have been covering uh, this tournament since 2003. Um, 
what do you feel like? Uh, I know, obviously, it's a, a we're at a, a strange moment for the tournament because it took its only hiatus two years away. Um, do you think that with the way this restructuring, is this a, a re a good way to reintroduce the tournament to uh, the soccer world? Yeah, I think that they are making they they've made some some steps in the right direction. I, I feel like the, the marketing of the tournament just needs to be better. They need to put, you know, make it more available to people. Um, I, I always find it sort of frustrating and sad that like, I will talk to soccer people, you know, never mind the people who aren't soccer fans at all, who like, I wouldn't expect them to know about the U S open cup, but like, I'll talk to soccer people and like, they won't know what it is. So I'll be like, yeah, I run the, the website that covers the U S open cup. And they're like, Oh, is that a, is that the golf tournament? No, like, no, it's not. Or or the tennis tournament is another one. But um, it's it, it's amazing how little like inroads it's gotten to like casual soccer fans. And so I, I feel like once people actually learn about it, then it will be. I mean, it 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 has a chance to actually be a thing. Like I I don't think that it will always be like this. I I feel like it could be. Obviously, this is like slightly hyperbolic, but like the way that people watch March Madness, like there are friends of mine who call sports like sports ball. They don't care about sports. But when the brackets come out for March Madness, like they're interested, they're at least like aware that it's it's happening and, you know, sort of pay attention. They maybe have fun with friends at work filling out brackets. I feel like the Open Cup could be something like that where it's like a thing that people are at least aware of that, you know, we could get to a point where you could fill out brackets. If we ever get to that point where we could make the tournament like that. Um, I think there's just a lot of, a lot of potential there, but first and foremost, you got to get, uh, you got to get it out there. And the fact that they put it on ESPN plus in recent years, all of the games on ESPN plus that was huge. I think just getting it, making it available somewhere, on a consistent basis, you don't have to like scour the internet to find links to streams that, you know, may or may not be all that great. Um, I think the way, the further away from that we can get and the more we can make it easy for people to access, I think is, will be a a huge step in the right direction. So will that this year's tournament be uh, presented on ESPN plus? It is supposed to be, I think they are still working out the details of that because uh, there was some very clever wording in their announcement that basically says to me that they they don't have it set in stone for every game to be on. So um, I think one of the issues that I was told was that um, when they signed that original contract with ESPN, it was a, I believe, a four-year or five-year deal. And I think this is the last year of that deal. And this tournament is bigger than what they originally signed up for. So there's actually more games. So it's kind of a a situation with, you know, with the cost of broadcasting, which is, you know, obviously huge and, and dealing with a whole tournament like this, like that's a, that's a lot of games for, uh, for them to take on. And so I think they're still, they're trying to work out how they're going to make that work. I, I don't know exactly what they're doing, what they're negotiating. Like maybe if some, teams maybe some of the early round games like are are streamed you know independently i don't know i don't know what they're they're planning to do but they're they're still working that out but that seems to be 
you know, the majority of the games are going to be on ESPN plus that, that much we know, especially in the later rounds when major league soccer joins in round three, that will obviously be, you know, that that's the bread and butter of the tournament. When, when MLS shows up and you get MLS versus lower division teams and even better MLS versus amateur teams, that's, that's where the tournament really starts to shine. So uh, with this new um, format for the Open Cup, that, that, that zone for those potential um, higher league versus lower league is the third and fourth rounds probably? Yeah, they, they made it since, you know, obviously trying to make the numbers work was, was a little challenging because the number of pro teams has increased. Um, 17, they had to split up the Major League Soccer team so they don't all come in in one round. So in round three, the 17 teams, the 17 American-based uh, MLS teams that were on the, the lower-seeded uh, MLS teams, those are all in in round three. The top eight teams jump in in the fourth round. So they get, like it's in a way, like a little bye into, into round four. So that's that's the way it used to be years ago when the tournament was a little smaller. They would they would have like the teams that finished toward the bottom of the table would have to play around earlier. So it's just there's just so many teams now. So that's uh, that's how they've got it set up. So it you know MLS teams joining early is a good thing. Uh, I've always said that they need to make from a marketing perspective and just making this an event. I feel like the the round where MLS teams enter should just be they should put everything behind that to market that because that is, that's where the tournament sets itself apart from any other competition, a major league soccer team against uh, potentially an amateur team or a lower division, minor league team. Uh, that's, that's it. That's, that's what we're, that's what we're here for is <laughs> do we, we want to see the upsets. We want to see the drama and uh, we, we haven't seen it. We haven't seen an amateur team knock off uh, an MLS team in a while. And it's been about 10 years. So uh, I, I think the tournament needs one of those kind of games again to, to kind of give the, the tournament a little bit of a spark. I know even just the, the amateur teams getting a goal against MLS teams really uh, uh, lives in the memory and can really uh, fire people up. And I know for me, I went to a game in Chicago, a fire, random fire uh, open cup game. That's even what brought its existence into my peripheral was a, a free ticket back in like, Oh nine ten, and I, you know I was a soccer guy, and I didn't know, to, like you said in your story, that there, you know those people that pay attention, they still don't know, and how so like <laughs> there's obviously a lot of roadblocks in the uh, organization of making the tournament work right for everybody, but like you got to say, bags of potential if they can overcome these roadblocks, but there's potential to um, really have exciting stuff. But the one that really comes to mind too was when uh, the Chicago Fire played um the then usl uh cincinnati side and i think that went to uh like extra time penalty kicks and um the broadcast uh i think it was an espn broadcast and they seemed to actually throw some some weight behind that broadcast and i remember that been exciting granted i'm in the soccer bubble but i know that kind of cemented like what the possibilities were and to your uh comment on like really showing some dedication to it i know we don't always want to compare everything to uh european but uh, i love it when the bbc uh set up their like broadcast desk at uh and like have a full day of coverage at some you know lower tiered or even non-league team that that's really fun almost like college game day like go to the small school 
Exactly. No, yeah. And I, I actually uh, ran into somebody, uh, one of the, the, the people who I, I work with uh, for a, a basketball uh, broadcasting gig. Uh, he's from Cincinnati. He's not a soccer guy. I mean, I think he likes soccer, but he, I don't think he like follows it closely. But then I remember the year that in, in that game we were talking about was the fire game with FC Cincinnati when they were a USL team. Um, it was this, this just huge crowd of 32,000 people for a fifth round game. It wasn't like, you know, it wasn't a final or it wasn't, I mean, it was like 32,000 at Nippert stadium at the university of Cincinnati. And I remember it being on TV and I just thought, you know, anytime I watch soccer in general, I tend to just like when it's on a network, like maybe like when an MLS game is put on ABC instead of ESPN or ESPN two or something. I always just think that the, the soccer fan in me thinks, Oh, just please let it be an entertaining game. Like, don't let it be a scoreless draw, like something to give like fans who maybe aren't big soccer people, something to enjoy. And unfortunately that game you're talking about, that Cincinnati Chicago game was a scoreless draw, but it was one of those rare instances where it was actually an entertaining scoreless draw, which that does happen. I don't think you have to be a a total like soccer nerd to, to appreciate that. And it was like this dramatic penalty kick shootout. And, uh, you know, we had Michigander uh, Mitch Hildebrand as the hero, which kind of made it fun for, for uh, people from Michigan. But, um, yeah, it was that was a great event. And the fact that it was on TV, a great crowd, and, and that I, I thought that was as good, other than maybe it would have been nice to have a few more goals, but uh, it, it was about as good as you could ask for for, uh, for an ESPN game. Uh, featuring a USL team and an MLS team. Yeah, yeah, it, it, we're. I think uh, the Open Cup is due a, a once in a decade sort of moment like that, eh? Yeah, well, and we, and we. I was just talking to somebody about uh, uh, Cal FC and uh, the team that Eric Winalda coached in uh, 2012, um, and you know they beat the Portland Timbers, and nobody saw that game. Like that game wasn't on TV anywhere. It was like. You know, I think it was streamed, but it was um, there weren't that many fans there because, you know, like if you're a Timbers fan, eh, it's just some amateur team from Southern California. And uh, and so nobody really saw that. But then on the strength of Eric Winalda being behind the team, he, he was working at Fox Soccer at the time. They put the next round game on Fox Soccer Channel, and <laughs> unfortunately, they got drubbed five nothing. But it was just the fact that, like, it was like, why couldn't you have broadcast the last one? That would have been so much better. But it, it was a nice exposure for people to see, you know, even if they, you know, got kicked around by uh, the Seattle Sounders. But uh, but it was still good to have the game on TV somewhere. So exciting uh, Open Cup ahead in 2022, the 107th edition, incredibly. Um, let us know or let the listeners know uh, how to find uh, more information on your work. Josh. Yeah, we're, we're at uh, thecup.us. We are working on uh, getting, <laughs> trying my best to get the, the new website up and running. We, uh, we have uh, some graphical uh, limitations to my time. So uh, I'm trying to get that done so we can get it ready in time for the tournament to start. And, uh, but we're at thecup.us. All of our social media is at US Open Cup. Um, which not to be confused with the, the official 
Federation account, which they do at Open Cup. But we were here first, so we get at U.S. Open Cup. So, um, yeah, that's uh, that's where you find us. If anybody is interested in covering the tournament, of course, we are a largely volunteer organization. We always appreciate people who are passionate about the Open Cup to help us cover the tournament itself, but also to tell the stories of all these great teams from the past. So if anybody is interested, reach out to us. And that's uh, we love hearing from people. All right, Josh Heckler, thank you so much for uh, breaking down uh, the future uh, of <laughs> Open Cup here in 2022. I'm sure I'll talk to you once that uh, Stars and DCFC game uh, comes much closer. All right. Thanks for having me. to break down the uh, new uh, format for the U.S. Open Cup, as well as uh, give us the uh, record against uh, between Detroit City FC and the Michigan Stars. And it seems like it will be, it looks like from what the numbers Josh said, uh, actually bringing back in uh, Jenny Hajnaki, editor of the program and Detroit City FC fan, uh, talking about uh, Detroit City FC versus Stars, and I think that Josh told us it was going to be the eighth matchup uh, since the new version of the Stars in 2019. Yeah, yes, that sounds about right. And uh, so, of, of all the teams that it could have been, how do you feel about that being the matchup? It, it certainly creates a lot of intrigue. That's for sure. I mean, uh, you got you know, the mostly coming from the Stars front office and ownership group of this being a big rivalry game. And then on the other side, you've got the Northern Guard, which they'll say it's not a rivalry game, but you darn well know it is. Um, if, if it wasn't if it wasn't a rivalry game, they wouldn't, uh, they would, oh, we're playing the Stars, no big deal. But no, they go out and they, they make sure that the, they, they say, no, you're, you're not a rival, you're just, a, you're just another club out there. Keep away from the stars. They're making a big deal out of it. That's how you know it's actually a rivalry game. Um, I, I, I feel like the Detroit City is going to win the game. They were a better team than the stars before the jump to the USL. But uh, so now they're bringing in all these better players. In the end. I feel like the city's going to win the game, especially because they're going to go home well with all those angry, passionate fans they've got. So I like, I like the matchup. Uh, as far as the U.S. Open Cup is concerned, I'm more I'm more interested to see Detroit City beyond the first round. If that if, if I hope I, I mean, maybe I'm thinking too far ahead of time here, you got to get past the, the Michigan Stars first. But I'm more excited to see what happens when uh, they bring in you know if they can get not far enough to play the analyst. I, I think that'll be a lot of fun, and I'm especially considering Northern Guard and their anti MLS history. What happens when an MLS team is playing in front of them in keywords? That's that's what I'm thinking about when it comes to the US Open Cup. I mean, that really is what the, the, the main draw of this style of competition that has uh participants from across different leagues and, and especially in a system that doesn't really permit very many uh, cross uh cross league interactions other than maybe some preseason uh warm ups. 
Um, so that will be interesting. Like you don't want to look too far beyond, but that would be pretty cool to see um, Detroit City maybe play a, a a team from the MLS down the road. That would be uh, pretty cool. So yeah, uh, according to uh, Josh, uh, first round amateur stuff at the end of March, and then this game should be in April between Detroit City FC and the Michigan Stars. I actually, funnily enough, I saw my first. Uh, like a uh, stars bumper sticker in the wild the last weekend. They do exist. Yeah. But in all fairness, they have rebranded uh, Michigan revolution and now uh, Michigan stars right, yeah. Youth Academy. And I, I was on the way to go coach at a, a place where I've seen uh stars youth Academy. So I think it might've been youth related. Yeah, but that, that tends to that tends to work its way up too. So I mean, I I I I, I can talk a lot of smack about Michigan Stars. They oh, they have no fans. Blah blah blah. I I want them to succeed as much as possible. I really I, I don't want to see any club fail. I want them all to be there, and I want them all to to be successful on and off the field. So I, Michigan Stars, I may may talk at you in jest, but I I, I want you to succeed out there. That would be something to have uh, two teams uh, rocking and rolling in our uh, in our area. That really would be something. And uh, I referenced in the beginning of the show when we were uh, running through the uh, the announcements of uh, Detroit City men's and women's sides. Uh, be sure to go back in the Spotify queue of uh, episodes and look up uh, the, the 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 interviews with Sean Spence and John Hevron. They have. Awesome, especially the Sean interview. Uh, he he really breaks down his process, and we really dig through all of the the first like eleven or twelve players. A lot of inside stories about uh, you know those returning players and a couple insights and what might be coming. But um, I wanted to ask you, uh, Jenny, as someone who's had to listen to just about every single uh, interview on this program. Uh, what is a program that you'd recommend if someone was scouring the timeline on the the, the Spotify uh, Michigan Soccer Central feed? Which one would you maybe direct uh, someone to, to go uh, listen to? To keep the the Detroit City FC theme going here, uh, there was the episode with Trevor James. Which which episode? I'm, I'm, that was back in July that we were talking. We were previewing yes. the Nisa Spring Final. Yes, uh, that's way back. That's when, that's when I was still just episode numbers. Wow. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I would definitely go back and talk to the go listen to that Trevor James interview. You'll you'll hear a, a guy who's been been in a lot of places throughout soccer on both sides of the Atlantic Ocean, and you'll see the sort of experience he brings to this area, and just he's a great guy to listen to. You you could listen to him talk about soccer all day long, and I imagine that you kind of felt the same way when you were talking. Versus you could, you you would love to just sit down at the bar, order a beer, and just sit down and talk with Trevor James for hours and hours on end off the record. It'd be it'd be one of the one of those just just engrossing conversations that you really never forget. Uh, as a, a second place to that, uh, there was the Lewis Robinson Midwest United episode that was uh, back in November of 2021. As a, Sean Spence popped in on that episode to talk about uh, Detroit City, too. So I would recommend that. Lewis Robinson's a really interesting guy, and he's doing a lot of good stuff for soccer in the Grand Rapids area as well. Uh, and I suppose my third place would be the, the one right after that where you met uh, both 
Grand Haven Admiral Senator Cody Harrell and what he's doing to build a new club out there in uh, the Grand Haven area. One of my favorite areas of the state of Michigan, just throwing that out there. And then the uh, that after you talk to Cody, you talk to Michigan Stars owner George Junkai, who that is right, it was right after um, Detroit City announced their move to the USL, and they, he was a he was a very interesting interview. Come for the fireworks. I appreciate uh, you uh, relaying those episodes, uh, and and thank you for all your work. Uh, you have to listen to, or you you choose. To, I choose to. I, I, I choose I do to this. listen to uh, many many to of these this. episodes. I want to do this. I think I've listened uh, or edited. I've listened to them all, but uh, I have edited all but I think like two of your interviews. So yes, I'm very familiar with how you work as an interviewer, how your guests work, and just it's. And like I said, I do I do this by choice. I love what I do. <laughs> well, thank you, thank you, uh, Jenny Hajnaki. Is there anything that you want to plug uh, while you're 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 on the mic? Anything I want to plug? Uh, gosh, just this podcast. This is kind of the main main uh, my main outlet for soccer right now. Is to how I can still stay involved with the game ever since I stopped writing about it uh, about a year ago now. So yeah, just keep keep listening to Michigan Soccer Central. Uh, one day, I don't know if. Uh, you guys are going to get a website going, but maybe one day if you ever get like a Michigan Soccer Central news website with articles and everything, I would love to write for you guys. And, uh, yeah, get my get myself a little more involved back in the the scene the way I used to be. Yeah, soccer wants you all the way back in. That that, that, that <laughs> that's, that's what I'm doing. I'm bringing you one one step back in one at a time. I appreciate the efforts you're putting in for me. Well, thank you, uh, and thank you to Josh and all the previous guests here on Michigan Soccer Central. Thank you to uh, the core team of Michigan Soccer Central for helping me uh, form these episodes as well and letting me uh, lead the way uh, for uh, you know mouthpiece for this uh, Michigan Soccer Central platform. So um, for everyone here, Michigan Soccer Central and... Uh, Everyone else that's going on, thank you for listening. Thanks for listening all the way till the end. So until next week, enjoy your soccer.